Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Cults and your congregation, what can the pastor do? What should the pastor do? Brothers, today we are living in very trying times, yet somewhat exciting times. For instance, we are being told that Christianity in Uganda or in this part of Africa is growing at a pace not known before. As we speak, Uganda statistically is at about 85.4% Christian. In fact, someone has said that by the year 2025, there will be many Ugandan Christians going to churches than about five countries in Europe put together. That is exciting. Christianity is growing. Churches are being built up at every corner of our country. The question, however, is what kind of Christianity will this be? When we think about Uganda's 85.4% Christian, who are these Christians? And sadly, allow me to inform you that when we talk about this percentage, we are not just talking about faithful, Bible-believing Christians, but we are talking about diverse religious groups that claim to be Christian, although unfortunately, in most cases, many of these groups are not. And that's why we call them cults of Christianity, groups that claim to be Christian, but whose teachings deny or distort or sometimes even seek to destroy the Christian faith. We have so many religious groups that have come in our country that are no doubt very misleading. We have some which are foreign, that is coming from outside our country. A point in case would be the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, commonly known as Mormonism. We have Jehovah's Witnesses, or what we know as the Watchtower uh, Bible and Tract Society, and several other groups that have come from out. But we also have our own share, indigenous groups that have been bled right from our country. Groups, for instance, like the Faith of Unity, led by the famous Bisaka. We have groups like the Serenander Foundation. I am sure you have not forgotten about the movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments of God that led to the Inferno in Kanungu, where almost a thousand people are believed to have lost their lives in different ways. When we look at the religious scene in Uganda today, it is alarming. And sometimes I wonder as pastors what we are really expected to do in times like this. I am sure that you have asked yourself several questions. How can I as a pastor protect my flock in times when there are several teachings all over the place and most of them very misleading? How can I ground my church members in the faith that they can stand firm in the face of the falsehood that quite often surrounds us? If in case you are wondering and you are very concerned, I have good news for you. This is not the first time that we are being confronted by the challenge of false teachings. False teaching has always been there probably from as far as the Garden of Eden when Satan first deceived Eve. And we have examples of men and women in the Bible who were God's leaders and who were confronted by the same challenges of false teachings and we can draw encouragement from them 
on how they stood firm in the face of this falsehood and the strategies they took in order to guard God's people over which they were in charge. And the case in the point that I wish to draw you to is the Apostle Paul. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Acts chapter 20. We will be reading from verse 25. And I hope to point out how the Apostle Paul told the Ephesian leaders on how they could guard their congregation or their flock from error. Acts chapter 20 from verses 25. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from within your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commend you to God and the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Powerful words, aren't they? The Apostle Paul helps us understand in summary that the pastor who watches over his flock, the pastor who warns and guards his flock, protects them from the dangers of cults and false teachings. And so we want to look at the pastor as a watchman. How can the pastor watch over the flock? Why should he even watch over the flock? And the Apostle Paul helps us understand all those issues. For instance, he reminds us that the responsibility of a pastor is first of all to watch over himself. Notice how he says it. Therefore, keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock. It is very important that we understand that you cannot watch out for everyone else before you watch out for yourself. The Apostle Paul says that if you must be the pastor who tells others the right thing to do, you need to stop a bit and reflect, am I doing the right thing? If you are going to tell them what kind of people they ought to be, or what kind of message they need to believe, are you that person? Have you yourself believed it? We live in times where time and again the headlines of our newspapers carry shocking stories of pastors who have been involved in sexual immorality, of pastors who are involved in homosexuality, of pastors who have exploited their flock and embezzled church funds. If pastors are guilty of these very sins, how can they even have the moral authority to instruct and guard the flock from such dangers of falsehood? It is important that for the pastor who wishes to watch over and to guard his flock must himself be exemplary. So the Apostle Paul is saying, the pastor who must guard his flock from such kind of error or from such false teaching, he himself must guard himself over such possible fall into the error in a mansion. And unfortunately you will agree with me, that many pastors in our country have not been exemplary in that regard. My prayer is that you will not be that kind of pastor. 
But you will be the kind of pastor that longs for what the Apostle Paul is saying. The pastor who is diligent, the pastor who is uh, careful to guard what he believes, his doctrine, the pastor who is careful to ensure that his beliefs match his behaviors, the pastor who leads by example, and therefore has the moral authority to instruct others, but also to warn them of the dangers that they are likely to face. But also secondly, the Apostle Paul says that you must watch over the flock. And the Apostle Paul is going to tell us why it is important to watch over the flock. First of all, he likens the church of Christ as a flock of sheep. And as you well know, sheep in most cases are directionless. They can easily lose focus. They can easily go astray. Sheep are very vulnerable. Sheep can be very gullible. And they need firm, a firm hand of guidance and protection. So the Apostle Paul likens the church of God like a flock of sheep. And he says that the elders are the shepherds that God has put in place to feed the flock, but also to guard them from every possible danger. The Apostle Paul also tells them at least four reasons why they must watch over God's flock. Reason number one is that these elders or these pastors have been put in charge by God the Holy Spirit. He says that guard or keep watch over the flock of God over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The responsibility for church leadership or pastoral ministry is not something that somebody aspires to as if it was a job or a profession. It is not something that we do because everybody is doing it. It is not something that we do because we have failed to go into other professions. It is something that we do because the Holy Spirit has picked us out, has called us among the many by His grace, in His great wisdom, that we might have responsibility over His flock. And pastors, I think this is something that should, first of all, humble us, bring us to our knees in worship. Who are you that God the Holy Spirit has chosen you? Is it because you were smarter? Is it because you knew more than anyone else? Is it because of your theological training? Certainly not. And if God the Holy Spirit has chosen you in spite of who you are, that is all the more reason to be very humble, all the more reason to be very careful on how you execute your duties or your responsibility of watching over the flock. You must live in remembrance that this is not of your own effort or your own cause or wisdom. But God in His wisdom, which is beyond our comprehension, has chosen you. Meaning, he will enable you to do the work, but also meaning you must be willing, you must be humble, you must live gratefully and in reverence of this noble and divine calling. But also number two, the Apostle Paul will tell us why it is important to guard the flock. Not only is it because the pastor is accountable to the Holy Spirit, but because of the kind of flock he has been called to watch of. The Apostle Paul tells us, that this is the flock that God has purchased with his own blood. This flock is so variable that God in his great majesty and glory was willing to stoop down and give his life for the flock. 
And of course when we talk about this passage, we are talking about God the Son, Jesus Christ, who died on behalf of the flock, who gave up his life that the flock might have life. And as a pastor, this should further challenge you to remember that the kind of people God has put you in charge over are the very people that he loves so much that he was willing to give his life for them. They might not be perfect. They might not be as obedient as you want them to be. They might even be slow learners. They might not even be interested in what you have to say. But you must keep in mind every time you stand before your congregation that you are before a people that God has paid his very best, his dearest, his highest for. And that should remind you of the value of the flock and therefore the carefulness and the diligence with which you should guard this people. Unfortunately, so many of the pastors that we have today are doing everything else except caring for the flock. Some pastors today look at the flock as an opportunity to make money. You go in the service and all they care about is how much the congregation is bringing in, how much the pastor is receiving, whether they are building the pastor's house or they are buying for him a ticket to go abroad. And he looks at the congregation in monetary terms. Instead of feeding the flock, he is actually feeding from the flock. And we are reminded by the Apostle Paul that we need to be very careful what we do with the flock. Because these are people that God has paid for with his own blood. Very, very important. But also number three, the Apostle Paul tells us why they really must guard the flock. And he says that we must guard the flock because savage wolves are coming. He says that I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Who are these savage wolves? Well, we could point to Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. And we could look at how Jesus identifies or would interpret these wolves. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 15, Jesus warns the people that were following him. And he says, watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So Jesus uses the same term of wolves and applies it to the false prophets or what you would call false teachers. Again, we have mention of the same in Second Peter chapter 2, where Peter says that just as there were false prophets, then in the past, therefore there will be false teachers among you. So the Apostle Paul says, savage wolves are coming after my departure. This might come in form of formalized, institutionalized religious groups, like those we already talked about, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, or other indigenous religious groups. This could come in form of false teachings like the prosperity gospel or the so-called grace movement that we are hearing about today. But either way, the Apostle Paul says, they are coming. I know, it's a sad reality. I wish I didn't have to leave so that I could warn you. But I know that after my departure, they will surely come. And the question is, what will you do? First, for yourself. Secondly, for the flock, precious as they are, bought or purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, when the savage wolves come in, what will you do? Now I wish the Apostle Paul had only stopped there. But he goes ahead and he says there is even a much more serious danger, that from within your own ranks men will rise up. 
These men might not even be what you would want to look at as the false teachers out there. They might be the dearest brothers within the very congregation where you worship. They might be fellow pastors on the pastoral team. And the Apostle Paul says, they will distort the truth with the intention of drawing away disciples after them. And quite often I think this is the greatest danger that the church in Uganda is facing today. The major challenge of false teaching that we are having is not coming from outside. Our greatest challenge, pastors, you will agree with me, is not Islam. It is not Buddhism. It is not these general Eastern religions. It is actually pastors or Christian leaders or fellow lay members who claim to know the word of God, who claim to have the calling of God, who claim to be receiving the revelation of God that are actually distorting, denying, and almost destroying the faith. Men rising up from within. And the Apostle Paul says that the pastor must watch over the flock, must keep guard of the flock. Reason, savage wolves are coming, I'm, I'm coming among you, but also certain men from within are rising up. So how can the pastor guard his flock from such impending danger? Yes, we know that the wolves are coming. We know that certain men are already within us who will distort the truth and try to lead away disciples after them. The question is, how will you as a pastor watch over God's flock and ensure that they do not become vulnerable to these savage wolves or these deceitful men that arise from within? I would like once again to take you to the same passage in which the Apostle Paul tells us what he did while he was among the people in the churches in Ephesus. And the Apostle Paul tells them that he preached the whole counsel of God's will. How can the pastor be a watchman of God's people? First of all, the Apostle Paul says, feed the flock. You watch over the flock by feeding them. And he says you can feed them when you are declaring the whole counsel of God's will. A congregation that knows God's word or that is grounded in God's truth is not easily shaken by the challenge of falsehood. A congregation that is grounded in the word of God will most especially be discerning. Meaning that there will be a people who have the ability of recognizing error from what is true. People who can tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong. And sometimes what is right from what is almost right. And the Apostle Paul says that a pastor who feeds his flock is a pastor who will develop a community of believers that are discerning. That are grounded in the faith. That can stand and resist the challenge of false teaching. But the Apostle Paul would also encourage us that we need to develop a hunger within people's lives for the word of God. And the Apostle Paul demonstrates this. How hungry he was or how desirous he was of proclaiming the gospel, of ensuring that the Ephesian believers understand this gospel to the extent that he was even willing to suffer, to be persecuted for the cause of this word. He tells us that he suffered uh, under the devious plots of the Jews. He faced serious opposition, but he did not relent. He did not waver from his mission. The word was so important and so desperately needed by the believers that the Apostle Paul would have paid any price to bring this word to them. How hungry is your congregation for the truth of God's word? 
How, how important have you made the message or the word of God to the extent that God's people cannot imagine meaningful or purposeful life without this word? Create a hunger within your congregation and then feed them consistently on the whole counsel of God's will. And then you will be grounding them to stand firm in their faith when moments of falsehood come their way. But thirdly, the pastor is encouraged to himself be doctrinally knowledgeable. It is his responsibility to point out those biblical truths that are necessary for the people's salvation so that the people are grounded in the teachings of the Christian faith. Of course, by saying that, I am not saying that that there are certain things in the Bible that are good and others are not as good or important. But what I am saying is that God's people must be able to tell the difference between those key essential teachings of the faith and those other teachings within the scriptures, but which are not necessarily required for salvation. Because out there in the world, they are going to meet challenges and conflicts with people who might try to emphasize or overemphasize certain biblical truth, but at the expense of what is really key for their Christian growth and maturity. So does the pastor himself, is he himself knowledgeable, doctrinally? Does he have that ability to point people to God's word in a manner that builds them and puts a firm foundation of the word of God in their lives? But again, the Apostle Paul gives them a personal example. He shows them how he himself had done it so that they can follow after him as they guard and watch over the flock. In verse 31 he says that, Remember, for three years I did not cease to admonish every one of you, day and night, with tears. What is the Apostle Paul saying here? He's saying, yes, I was eager to preach to you the word of God. But there is a way I did it that make it more, made it more important and more effective and efficient. His compassion seeped through, for instance, as he declared God's word. And I believe that it is the responsibility of the pastor as well. Not just to preach the gospel from a distance on the pulpit. But to love his people and to make this love evident that his flock know that he's speaking to us not because he went to college, but because he cares about us. He cares about our well-being. When we are hurting, he hurts. When we are confused, it pains him. He preaches to us or he teaches us because he wants to see us well. He wants to see us growing and being conformed in the image of God. Many pastors today preach out of duty. They preach because they have to. They preach because it's a job at the end of the month they will be paid. And sadly, this has become an opportunity for certain false groups to take advantage of of the congregation. The congregation which receives a dead word or a lifeless word or a word without love and concern are most likely to be taken in when preachers of a different gospel come expressing their love and compassion for such a loveless people. The apostle Paul says, I even did this with tears. Was it because he was dramatizing and showing the seriousness of the message with tears? Not necessarily. It was an act of compassion He loved them so much that he wished they would understand what was in his heart and he poured out his very heart to them, thereby demonstrating one that they were important and he cared about what happened to them. 
that the message he brought to them was extremely important and urgent and worth receiving, but more importantly, that these people mattered to God, that the Apostle Paul as a shepherd would do anything to ensure that he would present them before God blameless. The pastor who must watch over his flock must be that pastor who is willing to proclaim God's truth as well as exposing error. He must be that pastor who will lead the flock and guide them on how to discern, on how to live their Christian life and apply biblical truth in a relevant manner in regard to the challenge of the society around them. And the Apostle Paul says, If you can do this as a pastor, then you can one day also stand and say, I am innocent of the blood of all men. The Apostle Paul could say that with a clear conscience, because he had watched over God's flock, he had preached to them what was necessary, he had lived an exemplary lifestyle before them, he had admonished them with great compassion and tears, consistently in season and out of season, and he had demonstrated that indeed he understood the value of his flock, he understood to whom he was accountable, God the Holy Spirit, And the Apostle Paul says, if you do these things, when the savage wolves come, you can be sure you will stand. When certain men rise up within you and pervert the gospel, you have already raised your congregation to a level of maturity where they can withstand this erroneous teaching in their midst. And I believe, Pastor, that the only way you can stand and protect your congregation, the only way you can be an effective watchman over God's flock, is by believing these things, by doing these things, by walking in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul, and proclaiming God's will to God's people with the right manner, the right attitude, and reminding yourself at all times that you are accountable to the Holy Spirit, who made you an overseer over his flock. May the Lord bless you. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.